Hey there. Thanks for tuning in to the first of four episodes on the nuts and bolts of course design. In today's episode, we will uncover the planning stage of course design, how you develop overarching big ideas the course will cover to identify tangible learning outcomes that identify the student's success and milestones. By the end of this series, you should have some useful takeaway skills to help you jumpstart your course development process. Before we go into detail, I want to introduce myself. My name is Keith Anderson, and I'm an instructional designer at the University of San Francisco. I've been designing courses for faculty for over eight years and have about 15 years experience teaching undergraduate and graduate courses at several universities in San Francisco and Hawaii. In these episodes, you'll be hearing predominantly from me, but our team includes several other instructional designers who work with faculty to design courses. If you're interested in working with us, please check out our website, which will be included in the episode's notes. Okay, let's begin. Now, to get the record straight, when I talk about course design, I'm referring to what you develop before you are in a class session with students. This process starts sometimes a few months before the first class. Before we talk about the recommended method of designing courses, I want to look at the autopilot method that many of us have relied on for countless years. The autopilot method of designing courses that many of us have fallen into at one time or another consists of selecting a textbook or other reading materials, searching for places that we can reinforce the textbook through lectures, homework, and our projects, and finally coming up with some way to test whether students are actually learning the material. This method promotes the idea that student success is based on only absorbing what the teacher or textbook is telling you to memorize. As a course designer, we want to move away from this idea that teaching is about just covering the course content and move towards developing opportunities for students to engage in authentic practice with feedback. To start this process, let's start from the beginning of the course design process by identifying what we want students to be able to do by the end of the course. Strong courses ensure students are transformed by the end of the semester. Students should be able to accomplish something new within a specific competency. The first step to do this is by identifying the big ideas or themes of your course. This is no easy task, however. Brainstorming ideas and discussing with colleagues your thoughts usually helps this process along. These big ideas are important because they help students shape how they think about the subject you're teaching. They illuminate student understandings, which bridge abstract concepts to the concrete learning outcomes that explain the manner in which the students use what they've learned. Let's now look in depth into two particular terms that I just mentioned, big ideas and learning outcomes. Big ideas are concepts, themes, or processes inherent within each subject. For example, a big idea for a freshman composition course is thinking independently and expressing one's ideas in a thoughtful manner. This idea can also be expressed in a question format like, how can you think independently and express these ideas in a thoughtful manner? After defining your course's big ideas, you're ready to identify the knowledge, skills, or attitudes also known as KSAs, that you want students to gain by the end of the course. 
This refers to the abilities and actions that are intertwined with learning the big idea. This form of learning might or might not be visible or measurable, but nevertheless express what you would like the students to have grasped as a result of the course. To identify the KSAs, start with answering these three questions. What content must the students be knowledgeable of by the end of the course? How can students demonstrate competency of the content? And what actions lead to proficiency with content in real life? These statements are important for you to clarify early on so that you can be sure your assessment matches the content you want your students to grasp. The next concept is learning outcomes, which are statements that provide measurable evidence of the understanding you want students to have by the end of the course. These statements help you evaluate the quality of the student's knowledge, skills, and attitude. Each of these statements will usually express various levels of mastery, from memorizing and organizing, all the way to creating and evaluating. The typical format for the learning objectives is, at the end of the course, students will be able to, then insert an action verb, and then insert knowledge, skills, or attitude the student is expected to have developed. For example, at the end of this course, students will be able to express their opinion on controversial issues in written form. Learning outcomes are necessary so that you can evaluate students' success and measure competency of the course content. Both of these concepts can be expressed effectively within a course map, which could also be included with the syllabus. This provides students with a solid overview of the course content and how you will be guiding them through the material. In the next episode, we'll explore how to design experiences for students to demonstrate their learning. See you soon.